Welcome to the Leanne McCoy podcast. On this podcast, we talk about a lot of things, mostly prayer, but also spiritual warfare, parenting adult kids, and whatever else comes to my mind and heart. This is the place where I contemplate things that are too wonderful for me. Also, where I share interviews with people whose lives have greatly influenced mine or people who have some really great things to say and where I remind you and me that no matter what we're going through, God's got this. I'm Leanne McCoy and this is my podcast. I'm for sure sharing an interview with two people whose lives have very greatly influenced mine. This is part three of a conversation that lasted all afternoon one December day. My daughters Michael and Kaylee and I were gathered in the room of my house where I have my quiet time. We were nestled in with a vanilla spice candle and yummy beverages as we just chatted freely about life. It was life we lived but never took time to talk about. I loved how even as the girls shared their worst experiences, they acknowledged the good too. We can't in our conversation stop circling around Michael's exit from our family in May of 2010. Like I said, that was a defining moment. In this episode, we continue our conversation and begin to gather advice that the girls have for other ministry parents. This is a humbling episode for me because we revisit several of my personal, wow, if only I knew then what I know now, I would do things so differently. Mom and Dad, this is a must-listen episode. I hope you enjoy it. I think that the being a PK is a really hard and complicated place to be because everything in your life is going to be on display. You've heard that all your lives. You know, you live in the fishbowl and <clears throat> goodness, my throat. But then also you, um, you're trying to formulate and figure out your own growing up, your own fate. And it's all wanted together. You know, the, the people that just behave like people and then the faith that's being taught, but then you're also formulating your views of the faith by how it's being lived. And when it may be being lived one way and taught another way. And, you know, it's just, it's a mess. I've taught many conferences called ministry is messy and it is, and people are, we're all messy and we're all in process and we all make mistakes and we all are sorry. Like I look back on that, especially that was probably the most defining moment in our family's life. Would you say Kaylee up to that point okay. anyway, um, was the decisions that you made when you were a senior in high school and, and, or when you were, had just graduated and, and I mean, we knew it, it things were brewing, but we would call it pattern. Is that what we call it? A pattern. It was definitely a pattern interrupt. And I even think even just hearing it today, there would be ways that Tom and I would, your dad and I would handle it different, differently, knowing what we know now, but we don't get to do that. We didn't, we don't, we didn't know then what we know now, you know, well, and you don't like as parents, you don't even know how to be parents after your children grow up, you don't, you're doing that for the first time. And the joy that Tom and I, your dad and I had, <laughs> daddy, dad, the, that your dad and I had is um, that 
we're we had our children so fast together like you were just turned three and still in pull-ups when tj was born and kaylee's in between that everything every stage of life we've had to go through it we didn't get to apply what we learned with one to another because we boom we're through that stage and so we're we're all figuring it out and some of the best lessons i've learned in the past 10 years as y'all have grown from 20 to 30 is that once y'all get to be adults, it's not, our lives are not as intertwined, but somebody doesn't inform my heart of that, you know, because my heart is still, my heart is still intertwined. And so, and like, where were the parenting books that helped prepare us for that? And then we didn't get to gradually have a nine month pregnancy into it. We were slam dunked, you know, with Sorry. the yeah, I mean, baby and the decisions. You living in their house, planning to go to college. To go to college. To yeah. Like you not speaking to any of us immediately. Right. And it happened so and fast. Pregnant, then you were and pregnant, and we found that out away. from somebody else. I'm well, and yeah. I told that somebody else on purpose because I knew it would spread like wildfire because I didn't want mm-hmm. to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I strategically picked the first person. You I know, and the prayer, the prayer chain calls us, and you know, we oh, heard she's that? pregnant, and I'm like, are you? kidding me like you know that's why i'm not a real fan of prayer chains i mean i'm a big fan of prayer and i'm a big fan of a <laughs> lot of people praying of together. yeah prayer chain. but not like, the phone call prayer chain well, it's like <laughs> it I is playing telephone that reminds yeah. me of like the prayer requests and like how that would sometimes become gossip yes yes oh bless their hearts and yeah yeah Yeah. that's why i really if a southerner says bless your heart they don't mean bless your heart (laughs) yeah they mean wow we just found out something they would definitely not want me to know and i can't wait to tell somebody (laughs) but um that's why i try to really promote people praying their request instead of sharing them because it's funny when you bring god into it and you're talking to him he has a way of of uh creating accountability yeah well i mean he has a way of helping you stay on track i think in that but anyway <clears throat> plus it's way more productive see that's funny because so. this podcast is pretty cool because i know kaylee and i are sharing stuff that you never thought or perspective i didn't know you found out through the prayer chain i knew you found out from a person well but i didn't know it we heard it yeah we heard it from prayer chain and that made us that when this person came to us that yeah, we were like, come on, let's let's talk, whatever. It was and I know exactly yeah. who that was. Yeah, Very well it's choice. okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so all that to say, um, yeah, the dynamics are so interesting because you're it's these are especially being a mother, thinking about this is the life, like y'all are mothers, both of you are. And you have in your heart a life you want to create for your children or, or, and most likely you do what I did. I had decided what I liked about how my mom and dad did it. And I wanted to repeat that. And then there were things my mom and dad did that I didn't like. And so that moment, we weren't going to do that. And so I just, um, but in looking back, I wasn't able to have as much control over um, the life experience that you had as what I wish I had had, you know, I would have done things a lot different. I really, really wanted to protect y'all from it ever being something painful because I so desired for you to have peace with God and peace with God's people and peace with God's 
purposes and plans and, and all those things. Too much pressure to yourself. I think it's impossible to hit that because you are human and people hurt you. And even if you had never shared with us or that we never overheard conversations with you and dad in the home, you know, now granted I was privy to conversations. I probably wasn't supposed to be privy to just because we all know I listened to everything. Yeah. Like your daughter does. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I'm saying like, even the conversations you kept private, we are your children and much like as mothers, you know, your kids pick up on your emotions and how you feel. You don't necessarily have to say something to your children to, for them to know you are hurting or upset. And so even if you tried to shield us or protect us more from what can happen in a church so that we would have peace with God and God's people, there, it would have been impossible. It's an impossible task because we would have seen the pain in you. And I know we haven't really talked about that, but you know, Sometimes I, I'm very protective of my parents. We did talk about that, especially dad at the time, because he and I were like two peas in a pod. Um, mm. Mom was busy raising Kaylee and TJ. So where else could I go, <laughs> you know, um, having babies in three, three years. But mm -hmm. um, we saw your pain and your hurt and then dad's frustration sometimes. And I, I feel like I'm a very empathetic person that could feel that. And so it made me upset at the people who caused that. Yeah. Um, and I think regardless of what you shared or didn't share or that I heard that I shouldn't have heard or did hear or didn't hear, it would have been impossible to hide your emotions because you can't become a robot. I mean, nobody wants to be a robot. I've, I myself have recovered from being a robot to deal with pain and hurt. And I know how bad it is to box things up and hide them. And so I think putting that pressure on yourself saying, I wish I had or could have or done better at something like that. It's just not worth you hurting over because it would have been an impossible task. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. It's good. So with all of that said and us in this reflected <laughs> mode, what would you say, like what would be your words of advice to other pastors and their families? That's where the hurt gets redeemed mm -hmm. is being able to say, hey, because this has happened. Now you've got five-year-old kids or, you know, 10-year-old kids this is what I've learned. And this is, you know, it's like you've been down the trail and you're coming back to tell them what, what to avoid or what to, what to really emphasize and what not to do, what you should do more of. So we play this game. <laughs> I'm going to tell this. Yes. That uh, Michael hates. But start, stop, continue. Yeah. I think it's my son that brought it to a family vacation one time and it was start, it's stop, continue. It's an awful game, but that's kind of what I'm asking you to. Opportunity to tell somebody <laughs> that you need to stop this, you should start this, and you might can continue this. And granted, it came into effect when I was still very broken. You weren't even there. You weren't there when it came into effect. Right. We did it on a so trip. Without you. So my first time back and I had it, I was the one who needed to be told stop, start, and don't continue. Like, it was there was no continue for you. <laughs> Yeah, I was on the hot seat and being roasted by all my family members. And I was like, I just came home, leave me alone. You know. But now we don't have to, we don't even know the people we're saying this to. Right. So let's just tell them what they should start, stop, and we don't know about continue because we have no idea what you're doing now. If you're already doing this, keep doing it. Keep doing it. it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You can lead us off, Haley. I've been talking a lot. <laughs> what was the question? Advice for other pastors, pastors and their wives or ministry leaders. Ministry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a picture of 
dad holding TJ and teaching at the same time. Yeah, I love that picture. And I, you know, I remember when you did your first video teaching series and I did the PowerPoint for you in the old <laughs> choir room, remember? Yes, I do. And like, I think including your kids in your ministry is a really positive thing and giving them practical ways to contribute is a really cool and valuable thing because then like they're able to find themselves. And that was something that I shared with you, mom, yesterday or the day before when we were talking about the potential of doing this. And I was sharing that I, I felt myself, like I of course always felt like an extension of you, but I didn't feel as much in your shadow as Michael that it seems like you felt like I felt truly like an autonomous being that was a participant and a part of this larger community that served this greater purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think it's partly because of that, because I was excited about, I mean, for Michael, it, you shared earlier that it was like so much pressure and hard to feel like you had to be there every time the church doors were open. But like, I was even there when the church doors were closed in middle school. <laughs> In middle school, I went to the church office every single day after school. Dad would pick me up and I'd go from three to five in the afternoon and I'd help fold the bulletins or stamp the stamp the mailers or make the camp name tags. Okay. Like I was doing literally like office work for the church ministries yeah. because I because I felt a part of it and I felt I could see this tangible impact that my participation was making and i did some of that but i didn't feel that pull i felt like a burden like it was my job to do not mm -hmm. like that i was choice. excited to be a part of it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that i mean that's got to be with different personalities and i think and yeah and i think just like offering that opportunity but not putting the pressure on it. it's like well how do you do that i'm like i don't know just do your best and god will do the rest right? <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like that's something that, yeah, that was really positive that I really valued and um, gives you some pride in what you were doing. And having safe place at home, too. That's something that I do feel like you also did really well is that like mm -hmm. our home was always like a free zone where we were able to, we have all been able to express at least I felt this way. I do like, it's strange that we are so close in age, but we have vastly different experiences mm -hmm. through different lenses, mm -hmm. but creating intentionally creating safe places where your PKs can vent and process and even hear your process, but not in a way don't, yeah, don't, don't really process in front of your kids. Like you wouldn't invite your kid into your bathroom while you're taking a shower. Yeah. Like you put your newborn on the floor, but like, you're not going to invite your seven year old into your bathroom while you're taking a shower. So like do your processing yourself and then open, create a safe place for your kids to process. If there's like yeah. a hard thing that the church goes through, if you have to well, let someone on staff yeah. go, or if you have to make a hard decision, that's going to be a big change that some people in the church are going to have an opinion about you do your process with your partner and then after you feel complete in that process, in a timely matter, create a safe place for your kids well, to have that process. And too. just good. acknowledging that the kids need to process. Yeah, that's Thinking good. Thinking that your kids are resilient or that something that happening is major in the church won't affect them is being ignorant. Yeah. 
because these kids are walking in this path the same as you are. Yeah. And so no matter how old they are, they know who is there every Sunday. They know who's around you. They know who your meetings are with. This is experiences with them that you need to understand that they will need to process, whether it be, um, you know, children dealing with it or teenagers or young adults dealing with it. If they're still with you in the church. Mm-hmm. So. That reminds me of a particular situation when Jenny died. That was a big death to all of us and to the church because she was young. She just had a baby the year before. Her, and everybody's know. praying for her to get better, oh, even in a miracle. Yeah. Because there is that sense of like, well, what the heck, God? Yeah. Like, I thought that you said. Right. Yes, and then this happened. And I And that happened. That was happening to me personally. But then as the prayer pastor for the whole church, I had the, I felt the weight. I didn't have to have it, but I felt the weight, but I always felt bad about not, um, not being as emotionally available for y'all to process it too. And it was really more you, Michael, because I felt like you are empathetic and you had been so engaged in that. And I don't know that we ever really gave y'all the, the time and space for us just to talk about that. Yeah, I remember that too. That specifically has a direct impact on our personal life. Like you guys, I remember you guys having to go to their house because they thought it was the last night. Like a couple times late at night on a school night and we had to go to a friend's house and you had to shuffle us around. And so it like disrupted our normal in order for you to serve that role. Yeah, I kept kept their kids during the funeral. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't think we ever discussed what was going on or how we felt or how we, and I think something else that is important for pastors and ministry people in the ministry with their kids is, you know, it's okay to be mad or confused or upset or question God. Like for us to just say that this is the word and this is it. I mean, yes, that's true, but we need a safe place to feel that we can vent and say, why did God do this? You know, Mm -hmm. why did he not save Jenny for those kids sake? Or why did he not redeem my ex-husband? You know, there, even Mm -hmm. as an adult, there are places that we need to feel safe enough to talk those things out loud. So we're not getting bottled up with that situation. Mm -hmm. And while Kaylee said y'all created a really safe place growing up that we could share and vent. I, I mean, I agree with that to an extent. There were some times that I would say things and you would be like, Oh my gosh, I hope you didn't say that. And I would have to say, <laughs> if I could have said, right. I remember we would I, yes. like, under circumstances that I would have rather said, right. but don't worry. I didn't say <laughs> that. I said this and was more politically correct. On I remember it. And so while Kaylee had that safe place, you know, in the home, I had it too, but there were some times that y'all knew I was so outspoken that you're like, oh my gosh, I hope you didn't say that. You know, and I had to be like, no, I didn't, but I wanted to. We all did that And that, that was too. what I wanted to say. Like, and I was yeah. like this. And you're like, did you really say that? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> no. Y'all would always do that to me. And I, then I went, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, please tell me that did not. Oh, of course not, mom. I'm like, oh my goodness. But I needed to get it out because it's in- me, and right. that's what I wanted to say. I get that. That is good. All right. Those are good. Those are good things. Y'all got others? Other thoughts about how parents could... I think creating and nurturing connection outside of the church, too. Mm, like, whether that's, that's sports or other extracurriculars mm-hmm. or 
friendships with kids at school. Cause I remember until I went to middle school, I went to school with a totally different group of kids than I went to church with. And I mm-hmm. never felt, it was like, there was a little bit of less pressure at school because I wasn't with those kids, but I also didn't feel apart. Like I never saw any of the kids that I went to school with outside of church, unless I invited them to church and their family started coming to church. And then yeah. like, there wasn't really a social outlet for me outside of the church. Mm. I think that's, that's good. Healthy. I mean, and I had that to an extreme playing travel softball. I had an established life. Yeah. And then in my junior year in high school, when I manipulated my parents to let me go to private school, I got to go somewhere completely different and be yeah. my own person. And so in order to make sure that your kids don't put you in the position that you have to give it to them, grow that with them and develop mm-hmm. friends outside of your church that you don't necessarily beg to come to your church. I mean, yeah, we should always worry about people's church home, but having that space where y'all can be normal yeah, and mm-hmm. that the kids can be normal and, and not focus on kid. something. Yeah. Focus on something that mm-hmm. makes them happy and be passionate about it with them. And my dad did a great job in softball with me in that. Mm-hmm. Now it was also harder for him to let go of softball when I decided my passion was no longer softball. Yeah. My passion softball was hard on our relationship yeah, too as sisters because of the competitive nature of it. And he would say, yeah, he would say crazy things. But granted, I mean, he would say crazy things. <laughs> don't say crazy, crazy things, things, Dad. Right? Don't say crazy things, Dad. Don't hit your daughters against each other. Um, that's definitely not a good thing to do. And I don't think it was intentional. It was to drive us both to be our best in that moment. Right. Um, but the big, another big thing too, just be open to hearing what your kids are going through. I think my biggest- Without having an agenda to change it or fix it or make it what you wish it was, like just let it be what it is and so, let yeah. them feel how they feel when and I make was them feel safe. 17 my senior year, and I, I'm sure people noticed in church, and like I said, my pain has got, like blinded so much of my memory of that time. Um, and I know I, I'm pretty sure Casey even talked to me a few times back then just, and remember this time I didn't like her. She was Sunday school teacher. She represented everything my parent that about my parents that I didn't like that had to do with the church. And so unfortunately she got the brunt of that snarky sass. And I just feel that everything I told my mom and dad, my senior year in high school, went in one year and out the other. And it was always like, I had a problem and they were going to fix it no matter what period. And, and I, they had I, an agenda and a plan for you and it didn't matter what you wanted. Well, I remember and them I being so surprised that you made the decision that you did and me and TJ being like, no, that makes sense. <laughs> She's tracking. Well, I, 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 I told them that I was moving out for six months and it was like never crossed their radar and they, they were so hurt when it actually it. happened. They didn't believe I'd do it. And the uh-huh. reason I stayed in the home past my 18th birthday in March was because I knew my private school would withhold my diploma. I mean, I was smart enough to stay in the home after the 18th birthday because I wanted my high school diploma. I wasn't that stupid to... You know, I did, I made stupid decisions smartly is what I tell people, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, like just hear your kids out. And when they say something, genuinely listen to them to comprehend, don't listen to respond. Mm. Um, if you have a daughter or a son that is struggling in developing their own faith or connection to church, don't 
tell them what their next steps are going to be, especially in high school. Sit with them and hear their goals and their dreams. And if they don't know what it is yet, tell them that, hey, we can figure this out. You can take a gap year if you want. You know, life is not all about the college degree anymore. People are becoming successful without one. I don't have one. I didn't finish my college degree. I have kids at a young age. But there's just, if I had been heard at the request I was making at that age, I feel like genuinely heard and not just told, yeah, yeah, we hear you or yeah, sure, whatever, or no, this is what's going to happen. If I genuinely had an input in my life at 17 years old, because I was about to be an adult legally, according to the government, you know, that I needed to take some charge of my life. Um, I might not have made so many drastic decisions like moving out on my own uh, behind my parents' back after they, they left to go out of town. I wouldn't have cut family out. So you need to offer the safe space where you're actually hearing. And you also need to process before you offer that. That's just um, a safe practice period because your kids, it's okay for your kids to see you at your vulnerable. Don't hide that from them. And be open that, hey, we're still working through this, but I promise you we're going to provide this space for you, even if you can't do it at that time. You know, kids can understand, especially the older ones, that you have their their best interest at heart. Um, but you need to know that they're just not the old biblical saying or old Southern Baptist deacon saying kids are meant to be seen and not heard. You know, that's something I've heard. Pop, pop, saying. Yeah, or it's not people. Well, no, but it came from people that, to me, were biblical in my life. And so that's just not something that kids in these days need to hear, especially kids that go through the emotional roller coaster that is ministry. Because whether you like it or not, your job is not nine to five, and you are not leaving work and leaving it at work. You are bringing it home, Mm -hmm. regardless. Mm-hmm. And so it is an emotional roller coaster that you have been called to do by God. However, your children were born into it and have no option. And so they deserve a space that they can be upset about it and safe to share and process so that they can come to terms with it and have a better view and outlook of it and accept it for what it is and enjoy the benefits of it because there are benefits in it. But an understanding that the pain is real. You chose it. They live it. Mm. And that's going to be huge in their foundation and going off to their adult life. It's good. It's good stuff. Anything else? <laughs> I think that one of the, I think that, um, looking back and knowing the, what's so great about this, you guys who are listening don't have all the um, the context that the three of us have because we we have all of the life that surrounded every ounce of every word that's come out of uh, Kaylee and Michael's mouths. We we know all the stories surrounding that. And one of the things that I would say is don't be don't ever 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 let the size of your faith. Um, expand the size of your problem or your crisis because if you're and i'm talking about small faith because what happened to me during those times when i felt like my family was falling apart 
is that I was driven by a lot of fear. And the fear was that if I didn't keep it together or I didn't keep them together, that it would all just go to pieces. And what I learned through it all is um, I've made the bracelets and we say it all the time is God's got this, whatever this is. I had him very contained in a box. Like he, he had my family together. If my children grew up, went to college, got married, had their babies, you know, lived only two miles away from me <laughs> and <laughs> happily ever after I'm in, you know, and, um, they didn't do that. Not a single one of them did that. And, uh, the, what I've learned in that is there's a, so much, God is so much bigger than the, um, the parameters that we build or the stories that we have. I, I thought I had miscarried when I was pregnant with Kaylee and um, I went back into the doctor's office just a week after I had found out I was pregnant and, you know, they were beginning to counsel me as if we had miscarried. And he said, and one of the things the doctor said is, I know you've already been wondering how you're going to pay for this child's college, you know, and you're going to lose this baby. And I, that is what happens. And all of my children have accused us of me of mapping out the plan of their lives. And it's not like I set out to do so. I didn't say, oh, this afternoon I need to spend two hours mapping out my children's lives. It just happened. Like it was just, I became pregnant with them and, and the picture sprang to life. <laughs> and what I'm saying is when it wasn't happening, according to the plan, I, I really realized how small God was when I thought he was so big and um, how small I had made him. He was so much bigger than what I made him. And the good thing about the horrible things that have happened in our family is that, um, is that I do not like, I don't like for one second what it feels like going through it. Not at all, but I do love who I am on the other side of it. I even love who I am in it because there are things that I learn and, um, there's, a my faith is so much larger than, than that church, this beautiful church that, that we've given our lives to for 35 years. Our, my faith is so much larger than the church. And it's so much larger than the family that I dreamt I would have. Um, and I'm like Michael, she wouldn't trade her years of mistakes for the beauty of her girls. And I would, I would, none of us would, and I wouldn't trade, um, the idea I had of my life, um, for the better idea that God has, um, and, and who I get to know him to be in it. So anyway, that was just my two cents worth of uh, reflecting on that part that they're saying. All right, we're going to take a break here and um, we will. We're going to do one more. I thought this was going to be the last, but we're going to do one more. It's just our time is running out. My, yeah. my, my numbers well, are in red. recommendation for the parents before we talk about. Okay. Ourselves. Can you say it in 30 seconds? No. Okay. We'll take a break. <laughs> Ouch. This part of the conversation hurts most for me, but at the same time, I'm so grateful that my daughters are sharing it. We need to hear this. 
I think that so much of our life is lived under a thin veil of, let's make it really easy for people to like us and to follow our husband, dad's leadership, even if we have to compromise how we feel or even who we are. You know, I tried really hard not to put pressure on my children, but what I heard in this conversation is they felt a lot of pressure. We need to be aware of that and realize that our children need a safe place to process. And as they grow up, they might also need some time and space away from us and from the church so that they can find themselves and God and their faith. We can talk more about that in the future. This reminds me, the whole episode does, that Tom and I led a study at the church last fall called Perfecting the Art of Parenting Your Prodigals. (laughs) We both learned so much in that study. I hope to have it loaded into my online courses soon. And when I do, that study will be available on both of my websites. When I get it done, I'll let you know. For now, hang on for the conclusion of this interview with Michael and Kaylee in the next episode, which will be part four.